0: As the famous movie Dodgeball said, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Same can be said about sight reading. If you can dodge a wrench, you certainly can sight read. This week on episode two of Noted, we talk about music literacy and how to help your students become better readers of music in this crazy world that we call Noted. Welcome back to episode two of Noted, a music education podcast. I'm Jameson McAfee, director of choirs at Round Rock High School, and your host for this awesome, awesome uh, podcast. Uh, after, after our first episode, it's been such an amazing outpouring of... Uh, Of listeners and support. I cannot believe uh, we've had uh, as many uh, listeners uh, download, subscribe uh, so far, but um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened, and if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Uh, This is uh, a new side project and a new adventure uh, for me uh, here as we continue talking about All the things in music education that they don't necessarily talk about on a regular basis in your music education classrooms. But today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about specifics of uh, sight reading literacy, music literacy, and how to get uh, your students to read music better. Because ultimately, that's what our job is. So, uh, last week we talked about... um, strategic plan and having a plan and knowing what to do. Well, part of that plan is knowing how you're going to teach music. So, uh, and if the students don't know how to read music, what are we doing? Right. Um, so, uh, there are so many different ideas on how to, um, teach literacy on how to implement your system, uh, of sight reading, uh, but ultimately it's get the job done, right? So, uh, you've set yourself a goal. You have a concert, you have a contest, you have a festival, you have a performance, uh, geared up for your ensemble. So now what, and you've picked music for it. Hopefully, uh, we'll go through, uh, in a different episode, we'll go through, uh, picking literature and, and literature selection, but, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, that idea of how to um, once you you've given a piece of music to your students, what are the steps to get them to be able to read that music so uh, so let's talk about sight reading and this this process can apply to any music classroom, uh, whether it's elementary or uh, high school, middle school, band, choir, orchestra, uh, AP music theory, on-level music theory, anything to do. Because ultimately, the biggest thing that we can say is the one universal instrument that we all have is our voice. Uh, before they had drums, before they had uh, any kind of any kind of sense of instrumentation, we always had our voice because. Ultimately, let's let's be real, talking is singing. Talking is just abrupt singing, uh, or singing is sustained talking. Uh, So I think, uh, I always think back to, there was, uh, in the movie, uh, History of the World Part 1 by Mel Brooks, Uh, such an irreverent movie. Uh, If you haven't seen it, um, you know, not for uh, young uh, students, Uh, But it is funny, it's got some several good funny scenes uh, as it tells the history of the world uh, through um, a comedic lens. Uh, But at the beginning, uh, they have Orson Welles uh, narrating um, and how they they found uh, music. And it was a caveman walking along, and his caveman friend dropped a stone on his foot, and he started screaming. Uh, and he didn't want him to scream anymore, so he covered up his mouth, and then there was silence. But he was still in agony, so he realized by stopping the sound, the sustained sound, he created created what we now know as music. And so then it went to the caveman chorus of a hallelujah chorus, uh, Handel's uh, Messiah, except they're all uh, they have the caveman chorus, and then different people are. Pounding rocks, punching them in the gut, and doing whatever. So they have all those notes. Uh, It's pretty, pretty funny idea of how uh, in uh, ancient history we found what music is, Um, and a look at that. But ultimately, you know, we could go through music history lesson of how they how notation, modern notation developed and how we went through all that stuff. But ultimately, it comes down to how, and if you went that with your students, if it wasn't the music theory class, they'd be bored to tears, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you could ask some of my students, because sometimes I try to give them a glimpse into the obviously always the why. Why do we do things a certain way? So uh, ultimately, we get to... Um, how do we read music? So, uh, if at high school level, we have, uh, our students come in, uh, in Texas having a, a ground basis of music, uh, literacy and how to read music. Um, not all, not all schools in, uh, Texas are that, um, fortunate. Uh, but, uh, I will say that, Most schools uh, with our emphasis in music education in the state of Texas uh, are pretty fortunate to have a good uh, framework for music music literacy. Um, But even that being said, every year we have to readdress and reinforce um, how to the basics of reading. Because uh, like I said in the intro, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Uh, you can sing a four-measure phrase. So music is not... We're not talking rocket science here. We're not putting a man on the moon. Uh, we are... Uh, we're singing music. And music music notation is... Um, it's just a graphic representation of sound um, over over a given amount of time. And so music is written for those who don't realize music is written in such a way that someone who knows nothing can understand what to do. Just like, just like when we pick up a book, you understand that it's divided up into chapters and paragraphs and sentences and words. Music is also obviously the same way. And, you know, I'm, literally preaching to the choir because anyone probably listening to this understands that and knows that. Um, but sometimes it's helpful to reinforce that concept. So um, so once you kind of give them the basis of how the singing is, notes go up, they go down, or they say the same, and it's over a given amount of time, spaced out in that measure, um, they really can understand a whole lot more. I work, uh, at Bethany United Methodist Church in Austin, Texas, uh, and our skill level of our singers and our chancel choir are, the age range is vast and the, the skill level is, um, very wide. And there's, there are singers, uh, in my 10 years at, at Bethany that have, I've come in and know nothing about reading music they come on Wednesday night we pair them up with someone who does read music really well so that they can use their ears and help them learn how to sing and make a joyous noise to the Lord um, and so you know once upon a time I, I went through and I was sitting next to uh, one gentleman and I explained that to him and even I as a, as a trained musician, uh, professional musician, I, I use solfege and sight read uh, and sight reading on more difficult passages and, you know, they get a kick out, the basses at the chancel choir get a kick out of that, but ultimately, um, it's whatever gets the job done and whatever helps them succeed, um, and so, um, when I explained that to this individual singer he said no one had ever put it in that term to him. Uh, and he finally truly understood what we were trying to accomplish. Um, and it just, it, a light bulb went off. And I mean, he's in his advanced age, uh, 60s, 70s. Um, and it took that long till he actually understood how to re- really read music. Um, and not to say he learned on that in that moment, but it all just kind of aligned finally that he wasn't just listening to those around him and following them. He can now take charge and kind of get a sense of how to read music on his own. I try to inspire my students on a daily basis that our job, my job as a music educator is not to train uh, the next great choir director or the next great Uh, singer on the main stage Um, that'd be great if I did um, but that's not my goal my goal is to teach them skills that can transfer to the real world when I was at University of Texas uh, in dr. Uh, Robert Duke's uh, music education class he talked about his big push was to give these student, give your students skills that they can use beyond the classroom that when they are not with you, they can then apply with their knowledge. Um, They showed a video of a study um, of graduates of advanced degrees from top universities sometimes do not realize the don't remember the basics or uh, the basic skills that are needed because they've thought beyond that. And so they get overwhelmed by thinking something has to be super, super complicated. Because they, they're an astrophysicist or something like that. So they went to MIT and Harvard. And as the engineering students were graduating and finished their graduation, they walked up to them. Uh, and of course I'm sure they had several that immediately knew the answer to the question they asked them, but, um, the video they showed us obviously didn't. So, uh, but they took, they gave them a battery, a wire and a light bulb and said light up the light bulb. And a lot of these students couldn't do it. Um, these are top of the line, recently graduated engineers, and mathematicians and scientists that can't do a simple, ma- simple, um, simple task like lighting up a light bulb, completing a circuit. Um, one, the one that's always stood out to me was, uh, I'm, I'm a aerospace engineer. I'm not an electrical engineer. If you're putting a guy on the moon or trying to send him to Mars, don't you? need to know how to complete a circuit, you know, uh, scary kind of thought, right? Um, my, uh, my calculus teacher, last math class I took, uh, in high school was, uh, actually the last math class I took ever, uh, was my senior in high school, uh, 23 years ago. And, uh, our teacher, uh, Mr. Teeley, he, um, he was an engineer and he came back to teach in high school, Uh, teach high school calculus because he got tired of uh, the newest, the newest, greatest, smartest engineer coming in and not really remembering how to do simple calculus. Um, And we had to always do these massive proofs and these big projects. We could work together with students, but we had to turn on our own work and our own narrative. And um, we'd always, you know, like teenagers do, wait till the last second. And we always get into um, the uh be in his uh classroom after school before school um during lunch trying to get help on these really complex multi-level permutated permutated um math equations and problems and proofs and uh this several times he would come up to me and say jameson it is simple algebra you know the answer to this. I'm like, no, I don't. This is calculus. This is not algebra. Um, and we get really frustrated. And then he would just point to one thing or, or say something that would be like, oh, you're right. It is simple algebra. Um, it's just multi-leveled and multi-tiered. So um, everything we do in music comes back to what are our core concepts notes go up, they go down, they stay the same. The time signature helps them organize the measure to how big it will be, what, how many words, how many, how many notes can fit in that measure, and a key signature tells you where to find dough or your tonic. So uh, regardless of if you're a fixed dough or movable dough or you sing on numbers or whatever, whatever your preferred method of sight reading is, those concepts never change. You know, they call it music theory, but those are kind of music law, right? Um, And all notes have tendencies. Um, So, and we'll, I may talk about tendencies and all that stuff a little bit later. But ultimately, at Round Rock High School, we found, or I found over the years, that our emphasis on music literacy um, was not strong enough. We, this was right around the time that we were developing our strategic plan six, seven years ago. Um, And we were realizing that our emphasis on music literacy needed to be much stronger. Uh, There was a, and fundamentals, fundamentals and music literacy. Those are our two primary targets on a daily basis that we need to work on. Um, you know, a conversation that I had with uh, uh my assistant principal who was an All state Tuba player, um or uh well, our associate principal on campus. He's he's still our associate principal, but he was over Fine Arts at the time. And he's like, you know, when I walk into a band class at a ninety minute class r- class rehearsal, they're spending fifty minutes on fundamentals going through warm-up uh scales, onset of tone, um the, uh, their chorale that they play that help the ensemble uh, blend and balance. Um, they're spending so much time on those fundamentals. So fundamentally, they are rock solid and they don't spend as much time on literature. And a choral classroom is kind of the opposite. We kind of rush through warm-ups, get through sight reading, because, and then get straight to the literature and don't realize that in our plan... If we focus more, if we flip that and we focus more on the fundamental aspect, the literacy aspect, we wouldn't need to spend as much time on the literature because your your concepts are all being built before you get to the literature. So you're setting yourself up for success and efficiency at the last part of your rehearsal. That goes back to that planning we talked about last time. So I thought back to my time, uh, in high school and middle school and how to get better at sight reading. Um, one of the biggest like gut punches I ever took was in my third, fourth year at Round Rock. Um, we walk out, uh, I'm we're hosting pre-area auditions and they have a sight reading component for pre-area and we have a student walkout, a uh, four year choir member and sings really well. Could have easily advanced to area um, if he put in the work and he set himself up for failure and gave himself an out because he knew he couldn't sight read very well. And He said to me, because I happened to be standing there when he walked out of the room, because I was getting stuff from the audition room to take to the tabulations room. And he said to me, MCAF, I just just wish I could sight read. And I'm like, why can't you? We do it every day in class. He's like, I I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. And then I really thought about, do we really do it every day in in class? And... The answer was no. We go through lines, we sing, we sight read, but if you if you're sight reading in a section and you have two, three, two or three really good sight readers that can sight read, everyone else just kind of follows them and learn the trick of I can hide inside the group. So through that and some other Other events, I sat down and said, we need to become better sight readers. Because if we do that, the hard part of our job is already taken care of. So, uh, thought back to my time in high school. So, when I was at South Garland, uh, my high school choir director was Stan McGill. Uh, He taught at South Garland for 30 years or so. And, um, you know, I, I owe a lot of who I am as a music educator, uh, to him and, uh, philosophies and just kind of concept of building a program and success to the way he did it. Cause I always think about, cause you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What he always said. And, um, well, a lot of people say that. So, but I thought back to how he, how we did sight reading. So we had our, um, sight reading books, which were the, uh, Oxford folk songs, uh, series the various colors. Uh, some of you are probably having flashbacks to them. They're, they're, um, blue or red or green or orange bright colors. Um, and, uh, each book has a hundred sight reading lines in it. And we would sight read every day. Um, and we'd read two, three, four lines a day. Um, when you were in varsity mix, you had to do every articulation mark on the page. Um, and it's eight measure sight reading examples. And he would sit down and he'd say, okay, we're on page 42 or page 10. Uh, and practice as many lines as you can. Go. And we practice on your own. He give us tonic. Uh, we knew how to find our, our key and, um, and we would go and then he would just say, okay, line 37, here's the tonic, do me, so me, do, so do, and go. Uh, and then ever, since we were double blocked, we had class every day, um, for 90 minutes. And so, uh, every couple weeks we'd have a sight reading test and we would go to another room. There'd be a tape recorder and a microphone and you had uh, practice time right outside the room, uh, and then went into the room, recorded it, and that was it. And if you got, uh, if you got a hundred, you got a sticker to go in your folder, um, and he posted those grades so everyone could see. So, uh, and occasionally we would have um, sight reading book checks, and so uh, we were always so in a cappella choir. We ours was uh, a blue book. It was varying shades of blue. There was a light blue, there was a dark blue. Different years, we did different ones. Um, but uh, when we had a sight reading folder check, he'd say "blue out." You take your folder sight reading book out, hold it up in your over your under your nose, and if you didn't have it, you haven't. You had a sight read that day by yourself in front of the whole class. And so, obviously, if we had a blue out, someone had turned in a sight reading full book to him, so he knew whose was missing and. That someone was going to read that day. So, uh, as a sophomore, um, one of the four youngest uh, members of a cappella choir, uh, my first year uh, in a cappella, um, you know, we, you get you get hazed a little bit, right? So, seniors would take my sight reading book, and so as we got toward through the fall semester, um, I I got really good at sight reading. Um because I had a sight read by myself under pressure every single day. So one day I finally lost it and um flipped out and was like, I know my sight reading folder my sight reading book was in my folder. Um, I turn around for two seconds and he comes out and he's like, Why what's wrong? And I'm like, I I know my sight reading book is here. Someone had taken it and he's like, Hey guys, give it back to him. He's better than all of y'all now. So it's not funny anymore. So, um but by doing through that process every single day, I got really good. And if you do repeated something every single day under pressure, you get really really good. So I thought about that, um, and focusing on the individual sight reading was a big priority for me. Um, one because it helps them prepare for the TMEA All State All Region process, and two. Um, If I have a choir of 32 really, really good individual sight readers, I know they're going to be able to sight read as a group in the UIL sight reading room. And I know that I can hand them out a piece of music, any piece of music, they'll be able to read it. And if we can read it on the first first go through relatively without stopping, then we can really make some music over a six week, four week, um, rehearsal, uh, schedule for a concert. Um, so I started thinking about how do I implement another plan? So I had gone to a session at TMEA that one of my really good friends, uh, Cody Raven Morris, uh, who is a professor up in, uh, the Pacific Northwest now, um, she was, at the time, was an assistant director at uh, North Shore Galena Park in Houston, Texas. And they had a system called Level Up. And so uh, this system, uh, they implemented, they, used, they assigned literature to, sight reading literature to various different levels. Um, and um, they had to pass off, they, had, they were given the book, they were told to um you need to be at a certain benchmark level at a given time um and if you wanted to be in their chamber choir you had to be at a level eight by a certain date um and kind of made it a game uh and they displayed that badge in their folder so it was a visible representation of where they were at um Stan kind of did a similar thing with us by posting the grades, uh, when we were in high school, uh, by posting those grades out, uh, for all, everyone could see them. And, uh, he would make bets with us. And if we didn't get a certain average as a section, um, we bought him dinner, him and his wife, a date night. And needless to say, the bases and tenors, um, my senior year bought him several date nights. Um, so, um, you know i'm sure his wife was very appreciative for all the steaks we bought her um and so i mean when it's 30 guys pitching in a couple dollars it's not that bad but um we took it as pride and so um to try to beat him though of course he never gambled so uh he knew we weren't going to meet that goal but he pushed us to be hard, to be better um even if we didn't and if we did meet the, the goal then we won and he won as well um and if we didn't he got a steak dinner out of it and needless say he got a steak dinner once by like just a couple points but i digress so um so back to to uh cody um i talked to her and talked to her about you know all her success And what was she doing? And so they implemented this level up system. So I took it and kind of modified it to what would work for Round Rock High School. And uh, another colleague of mine uh, at Westwood kind of did the same thing. And immediately our dividends increased. Um, we, We immediately started seeing our kids... Be able to get to musicianship much much faster so uh, um, so in the level up system which we've built into our strategic plan uh, we start all JV choirs at a level a which uses the uh, SOS book um, by I can't remember who it's off the top of my head who that is by um, uh um So yeah, the SOS uh, sight reading practice book our middle school feeders use that one. Uh so it helps them it helps those middle schoolers and those JV singers really kind of get a concept of what this process is about uh and when we unveiled this whole level up system we didn't just go full bore with the whole department we started with just our varsity mix choir uh in the first semester uh we started in the spring uh after team ea after several conversations and got them used to it and then we the uh, this next fall we gave it to a couple more ensembles uh and then that next spring we getting ready for their evaluations. We gave it to everybody else. And then after a year of it, we said, we need more beginner stuff. So we implemented level a and level B level. A is that SOS book that our middle schoolers, middle school programs use. It gets them used to the process of recording their site reading. Um, and I'll talk about that here in a second, recording their site reading and putting it in, uh, and getting that feedback. Um, they have a, uh, we, we have a class set for every, of all the books. We also give them the digital copy so that they can, uh, practice on their own. Uh, if they leave there, they have access to a digital copy if they need to, um, practice on their own. Uh, so then, uh, if they level up, uh, when they sight read for us, um, they need to achieve a 95 or higher. We have a, a simple rubric, uh, that helps them feel success in the beginning stages, especially in those level a and level B kids, um, that allows them to, um, feel success, even if they didn't get all the notes and rhythms right. Um, are they, you know, are they using their hand signs? Are they attempting to make sound? Are they, are they getting the soulfish correctly? Um, and, uh, so they record it and then, uh, we grade it and give immediate feedback. So uh they get a 95 or higher they level up to level B. Level B is uh Steps uh by Denise Eaton. Um and again that book is a good in in intermediary between SOS and our level 1 which is the Smart Book again by Denise Eaton. Um and so uh so it again, gives them more examples and they can practice all their, all their level up assessments, uh, all their sight reading assessments, which come uh, at a, depending on which ensemble it is, every two to three weeks is, uh, is straight from the material. So yeah, if they've gone and memorized a hundred lines of sight reading material, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're technically not sight reading. Technically, they're cheating, but they went home and they practiced because it took work to memorize those lines. So, again, I win. So, you know, I'm not complaining on that point. So, uh, level B is those steps books. So, then we get to level 1. This is where our upper tier choirs, uh, our non-varsity mix our and our, vars- our varsity choirs all start. Um level one is uh, level one and two is uh the smart book level one again Denise Eaton wrote this book these lines are divided up uh by key signature uh and there's eight lines uh per uh key um and then there's a challenge line um we don't always use the challenge line for the sight reading assessment um because that would be obvious. Um, But uh, we pick the line. Uh, The Smart Book is really good. It picks picks very melodic lines that help um, a sense of voice leading and uh, musical line uh, phrasing uh, Very um, through their simple rhythms. uh, Nothing um, crazy and out out of the ordinary. So um, again, level one and two is still using that relative sense of rubric. Uh, so it's a little bit more, um, rigorous. Um, we expect a little bit more once they get to level one and two. Um, but level one and two is kind of that. So the, the our JV ensembles and sub JV ensembles we expect to kind of be, uh, through level, uh, two by the end of the fall semester. Um, so that's they've achieved four levels. Uh, our upper tier, le- to upper tier groups, um, we expect to be uh, through level four uh, by the end of the fall semester. Um, because at the end of levels three and levels four is ninety days to sight ready success by uh, Stan McGill, uh, who was my high school choir director, uh, and uh, Dr. Morris Stevens, who uh, was longtime. Uh, choir director at Westwood high school, uh, here in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, and, uh, I taught at McCallum high school as well, uh, in Austin. Um, and, uh, Stan and Morris got, um, they were camp counselors, uh, section leaders at university of Texas at Austin's, uh, all state choir camp. And they did a masterclass on sight reading. And so, uh, they had to develop, write all these lines, uh, to have materials for these kids to practice, uh, and so Stan obviously used the Oxford book series, and Morris used it too. But he sang on fixed dough where uh, C middle C is all, or C is always do, and D is always ray, and and so it's a whole nother world of and I, I, I did not grow up in fixed dough. I understand the concept of fixed dough, um, but anytime I try to sight read that way it melts my mind so uh, for all you fixed dough people out there go you um you are amazing musicians and uh keep up the keep up the good work um so they wrote all these lines and someone said you should get this published so they did uh and so there's now uh, another 90 days of sight and was a success which is the red book uh, and then there another another ninety days of sight reading success, which is the blue book, and we have all those as well. Um, we levels three and four is the white book, the first the first one, um, but it's three lines a day for ninety days, uh, five for, for five days a week, ninety days, um, and it prepares you for the competitive sight reading that is the TMEA process. So we want our upper tier groups, which are all the required groups for TMEA to be through level four around the beginning of November, uh, so that they are, um, ready to go with, uh, the TMEA process. So then, uh, if, at, by level three and level four, they're onto the TMEA grading rubric, which is one point per pitch, one point per rhythm still we, we dictate a 95 or higher to level up um, because the, in, in my book uh, in my philosophy uh, if there's you know room for errors and in a 30 measure, 30 note sight reading line, one pitch per rhythm, one pitch per um, uh, 1 per one 1.0 per pitch and rhythm so that's 60 rhythms um I mean if they get if they got a 55 out of 60 they miss 5 pitches or rhythms they they don't level up so you know Uh, so 57 out of 60 is good. So they missed, say they missed a pitch, wasn't in tune and they missed two rhythms because one of the pitch was out of tune and they knew it. And then they got one other rhythm wrong. So they missed three points. That's a 95. So they'd level up there, but anything else, anything more than that, they don't level up. So, um, so yeah so when we implemented this uh at level five they would move to first implemented it level five would go to back to the smart books level two uh uh, book two uh, which is all minor so um our kids really struggled with that going straight to minor so then a few couple years later uh or about a year and a half later Book three of SmartBook came out, which started adding just instead of going straight to minor, just modulations. Uh, so you, you have the fees and you have the C's that would help them modulate from the major to the minor and back. Uh, which is a concept which is directly every varsity level group at UIL is going to have. So we made level five and level six the smart books level book three and then level seven and eight is all minor. Uh, And if anyone gets to, if we're still doing sight reading assessments uh, and they need more after they get, they get to level eight so quickly that we've run out of lines. uh, We have them read Bach corrals. So, (laughs) you know Uh, so ultimately we built in a a systematic approach uh, and kind of gamified Reading, so they hold each other accountable, uh, and I give them tracking reports. Hey, sopranos are at a ninety-eight, and bases are at a ninety-two. Bases, we want you in a ninety-five uh, by the next sight reading thing. Sopranos, let's be perfect, uh, and we're we're always giving them that data, feeding them that information, so that they're striving to do that, and so in the process of actually recording the site reading and doing the assessment, they, uh, so we have a Google classroom for every class. Um, we up- upload the assignment, uh, which is just the line. They record the video. Um, they can, you know, we, we tell them we want them to record, and we've done this several different ways, but this is the way that's worked the best. Um, record the line. Um, we used to make them go into a closet and record it and upload it to Google Classroom. Um, during class, uh, through COVID, we realized that, um, we still had the sight reading assessments, but they were recording them multiple times. They did this with the TMEA recording all state process recordings as well. Um, and so, uh, I just now make an assignment in Google Classroom. Say, here's the due date. It's turned in by then. I listen to them and I give them immediate feedback. Practice louder or practice slower. Um, You know, take a slower tempo. uh, Getting your key out loud. I want to see more hand signs. It needs to be a video recording so I can see those things. Um, But I can give them that immediate feedback. And they can see it and put it into practice. Um, And then the uh through this sight reading process they um they get lots of experience and lots and you know with my varsity mixed choir dragon corral their site they're doing a sight reading assessment in the fall every two weeks um and lower groups every three weeks uh you know is, is, is what we're, we're striving for. Um, obviously in the, in the grand scheme of things, if you don't get all the assessments in, it, you're not, it's not the end of the world. Um, but one, you know, your administrator is going to love that you have more grades, um, and you're tracking your evidence. So at the, especially at the end of the year, when a student doesn't make varsity mix choir, uh, or make the ensemble they wanted to make, you can go back and show, hey, here's this tracking data. You never sight read above grade of 85, and all the Sopranos in Varsity Mixed Choir scored perfect. And so when the student sees it on paper and sees their success, they know now how to achieve it, how to achieve their goal that they actually want. Uh, and realize that, oh, I do need to improve. Um, So it it pays off dividends, not just in uh, your student's growth, um, but in your your program's growth, but your student's growth as well. So um, additionally, if, say, a student uh, is at level one, and they're leveling up to level two and they didn't achieve level two and they would say they're the only base that didn't get to level two on that assessment. Um, they can come into the office at any time and try to level up outside of class. Now it's not a grade. It's not a, um, I'm not going to go change their grade in the grade book, but if they want to be on the same level as everyone else in their group in the section, then, um, they can do that. And we have students to do that. Um, we've also had students we've empowered our student leaders to help out with this. Cause when you have, uh, you know, a hundred sirening tests to go through, it, it gets a lot. So we have students listen, uh, and, uh, never to their own ensemble, always to a lower level ensemble, but they're listening to, uh, for pitches and rhythms and giving the grade and and giving the comment of what they need to do. Um, They can also come and level up and do those checks with the students. Uh, We have a process for that. We don't have that as much anymore um, because we're giving assessments on a regular basis. Um, And every single day, every single day, even the day of the concert, we are sight reading in class, we're giving them their examples, um, and they're, they're getting that practice, to what the process is every day, because what I have seen through the TMEA process is it's not the fact that they can't read. It's the fact that it's the pressure to read in 30 seconds. They don't know how to practice an eight measure sight ring line in 30 seconds if you see you talk to directors who come to texas because here at texas in texas if you're outside of the texas state of texas and listening to this you know we have a very intense um uil uh, which is our uh, governing body for our evaluation university interscholastic lead that all of our content competitions and contests and evaluations are housed inside this uil system um and uh we for our for our concert sight reading evaluation, we have to sing three songs, uh, for our concert. Uh, they two, at least two of them have to be off a prescribed list, uh, of varying degrees of level. One of them has to be acapella. Um, and then in sight reading, we go in, you have, uh, for in the choir world, uh, at least for right now, they are working and studying on how to adjust this process and make it more real world, um which well, I won't go into that right now. But um, but ultimately, um, you have six minutes to study. You cannot sing uh, during the study period. You will uh, chant, use your hand signs, audiate um, together as an ensemble. Then you'll sing it and on your preferred method of sight reading. And then you get two minutes to go back and study it again, um, correct anything, without singing that you need to, and then sing it a second time, and then you're done. Um, For all its drawbacks, what it does create are students who can audiate hearing the pitch in their head and can sing uh, the pants off a lot of difficult music for all those, uh, in the state of Texas who are listening to this, you know, all I have to say is charge of the light brigade and shutters. Uh, people are having nightmares over that piece, uh, which is a varsity mixed choir piece, uh, varsity tenor bass choir piece from, t- uh, 2014, I think 2015, 2014. Uh, and it was just, it was just a brutal, Brutal. Actually, it was 2014. It was the year my daughter was born. We did not take a varsity men's choir that year. So uh, it was just one of the most brutally hard pieces ever written. Uh, and a good friend of mine uh, transcribed it for treble choir, and we always try to give it to them right close to UIL, and they flip out and go, Oh my God, is that what it's going to be like? No, it will not. I promise. Um, and, uh, but when those students can sight read, regardless of what system they're sight-reading in, whether it's individual sight-reading, EA or UIL, weird, chanting, not singing, rehearsing system, when they can sight-read, when you can hand out a grade five, and they can soul-fetch through it in the first rehearsal, um, doesn't mean you picked... Too easy a song. It means you can now craft that song and become even more musical. And now you're implementing concepts in their sight reading saying, hey, hey, when we're sight reading, let's sing that four measure phrase. Let's put dynamics in there. Are there dynamics written on the page? No. Do we need to still do them? Yes. Do we know how to sing a phrase? Absolutely. So you're building in those concepts on a daily basis, those fundamental concepts to sight reading, uh, musicianship, music, literacy and fundamentals all tie in together. So all that to be said, um, plan yourself a system and stick to it. My system is not the only system. It's a system that works for me. Um, but talking to directors over the last couple of years coming out of covid coming uh just as i become more uh aged and um i realized that um there are no new concepts there's nothing enlightening i'm going to say that's going to change choral music education inherently, uh, for all of eternity. Uh, I have consultants and clinicians that come in that do not say anything that I have not already said, or I've already been told, but it's the reinforcement and the idea that maybe I am doing these things. Maybe I thought I was doing these things One of the things we've done a lot this year is record our rehearsals on a regular basis and give them back to our students and make them give comments. When they go back and listen to themselves singing, they are always so much more critical. They are always picking it apart even harsher than I am. And they realize that they don't have all the answers. And I always ask them, Hey, how many of you thought you did this? And they all raise their hand. So how many of you actually did it? And like one or two, and it's like, right, we all need to do this concept or all to do this thing. So when they're uploading their site reading to the Google classroom, some of them practice it three, four five times. Is that realistic? No. Did they practice? Yeah. Did I just, did that singer just get better at reading music? Absolutely. So again, we win. What is going to help your students be able to take that piece of music and make more of it? Should they be able to read it? Yes. Can they be able to read it? That is yet to be determined. So set your students up for success by allowing them, by giving them the tools to make the music. If they're going to build a house, you're, not going, to, you're going to give them a hammer and nails. You're not going to say, here's some glue and a shoe. Put a house together. This is not odyssey of the mind. We're not trying to... We're not trying to build an oil derrick to see how out of balsa wood and see how many uh, power lifting weights we can put on top of it. No. We're giving the students tools to succeed at music, at reading music. And these are the same tools... That are going to transfer when they leave your classroom and go sing in their church choir, or if they go to Nashville and they sit in a studio and they're given a packet of music because they're going to sing backup to all these uh, to all these uh, recording songs uh, for all the wonderful tracks that we hear on J.W. Pepper or Pinders or or Hal Leonard, um, when they can go somewhere. And implement these skills Uh, last thing I want to say is that I I was we just finished our uh, musical uh, at uh, Round Rock High School Anastasia and uh, it was a great experience uh, from top to bottom Uh, the musicians were just fabulous in the in the pit on stage Uh, we had great audiences but I had a former student she came up to me, uh, she came back to watch see the show and she came up to me and and you know she's not a music major. She went to school uh, at North Texas to be a um, to be a film film major and she realized that I mean she still does film, but she realized that audio engineering was so much more enjoyable and she found a passion for it and she just could not wait to come tell me about. Um, her new her new chosen career path, and that you know she she's getting to mix audio for the the lab bands uh, at North Texas, and you know doing all this all this audio engineering and the level of musicianship that she is able to uh, still use from what we taught her in the choral classroom. So those are real life applications that w- skills that we gave her that she can now pass on to, uh, to another field. These skills of practicing, these skills of pressure, uh, p- performance under pressure are skills that they'll use in the real world. Um, so find ways to engage your students. Some may not care about stickers or badges, um, but I bet you that a lot of them do. And if you can find ways to plug those students in to get them to read faster, to apply those skills on a regular basis, your choral department is going to be so amazing. Uh, your band department, your orchestra department, your, the fundamentals are going to lead you to the promised land. So, if you can dodge a wrench, you can sing a four measure phrase. Well, that is the end of episode two. Thank you for j- tuning in. Uh, next week, uh, we're coming up on uh, Texas's. Uh, music, uh, our winter conference, the Texas music educators association. Uh, so we're going to kind of do a different episode. We're going to kind of break from the, uh, schedule that I have put out, uh, or I've planned out in my head, uh, talking about strategic planning and, and all the things that we do through that. Um, we're going to kind of talk about conventions next week and professional development and kind of preview the convention. Um, and so, uh, as we're getting ready for team EA, uh, which is such a, uh, it's like for music educators, it's like Christmas. So, um, and, I hope you'll tune in, uh, please, uh, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you can get this, you can get this podcast on any, uh, platform out there that you, uh, all the major platforms, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon music, uh, Stitcher, um, or wherever you get your podcast you can find, uh, noted there. Uh, additionally, uh, share this, like, and subscribe, share, uh, as we, uh, support, uh, support the, our, our colleagues. Um, and, uh, we want to, I want to get this message out there. I want uh, lots out of the new people to listen and hear. Uh, so, Uh, like and subscribe and make sure you share this out uh, to as many people as you can. If you think they they would get a kick out of it Um, where I'm just grateful for uh, all this uh, to see um, the number of people who have already tuned in and we've only done one episode uh, has been amazing. So uh, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, just remember If you have a plan, uh, you know, implement that plan and, and get those kids, uh, get your students reading music, teaching them the fundamentals, uh, focus on the fundamentals. Uh, you'll be successful. And again, uh, I'm Jamison McAfee and just know that we're out all again, we're all in this together and it takes a village and we will see you next week, uh, with a preview for Texas music educators association conference, uh, and we will see you again on Noted.